Welcome to the Impact Investing Podcast from Circa 5000. I'm Matt Latham. And I'm Tommy Gillicuddy. Remember, nothing in this podcast is financial advice, and when investing, your capital is at risk. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everyone. We're back with another episode of the Impact Investing Podcast. Uh, I think it's episode 19. Um, and we are, this week, we're talking about greenwashing and what is greenwashing. Uh, something that's been in the news quite a bit recently. It's a massive thing in the investment industry. We've talked about it a couple of times on previous episodes briefly, but we thought we'd do a bit more of an in-depth uh, episode on greenwashing. So, Tom, as always, <laughs> I'll come to you. <laughs> what is greenwashing? Great question. Um, so there's a broader definition, um, which is um, really about products and services that are claiming to be environmentally friendly or more environmentally friendly in some way in the advertising, in the language that they use, um, but they aren't uh, underneath the hood when, when, they're, when they're looked at, when they're scrutinized. And that's similar to how it's applied in the investment management industry, which is the labeling of investment funds, um, labeling them in a way that makes them look environmentally friendly, but underneath the hood, it's business as usual. Um, and it can t- then they contain the same stocks, the same old names from all the industries of the past and the industries that people who are investing in those funds that have environmentally friendly names or uh, impactful names and labels want to avoid. So it ends up with people investing in things that they thought they weren't in. And so it's a huge potential mis-selling scandal in the investment industry and in general in consumer markets, you know, across the world in every sector. Yeah. And it's now something that's coming on the radar of regulators. So the FCA are looking at this, but also the advertising standards agency are getting hot on what people are, when people are making claims about how green a product is or how more sustainable a product is. Yeah. I mean, the, the most recent example, the most prominent recent example is is HSBC. Um, the Advertising Standards Agency um, made them remove an ad campaign that was talking about what they do on the climate or the, the yeah. bank's role in, in, in sort of tackling climate change. And the reason was is because not because anything they were saying in those ads was untrue. Mm. You know, they were saying things like, we're going to plant 2 million trees and, you know, we're, we're funding some of the solutions in for climate change. All perfectly true. Mm. But the Advertising Standards Agency basically said a, a, a consumer would assume that HSBC was having an overall positive environmental contribution from these yeah. ads. And that's just not true, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, they've made made claims about not funding coal and not funding fossil fuels and not funding oil at some dates in the future, you know, 2030, 2040, 2050. That's all, that's all well and good. It's actually not going to be within the remit of the current board of HSBC. They'll all pr- probably be long since retired by then. Yeah. But also it's this point of the net effect. Hmm. So it's the net contribution. So HSBC might be funding some climate solutions, but they're also heavily funding fossil fuels and things like that. So. Yeah. You know, Henry Henry Mance in the FT last week described it as, well, if you go into a village and burn down 20 houses and then you go into the next village and build 10 houses, can you go into the local pub and claim that you're solving the housing crisis? HSBC would. <laughs> well, maybe they would. <laughs> yeah, I think, it's, I think it's important to think about how we've kind of got here in terms of greenwashing, specifically how it relates to, you know, the investment management industry. So in some context of how these terms have all come through. And I think it, it, it's in the terms and in the labeling that has given rise to greenwashing. So the, 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 if you think about the spectrum of responsible investing, let's call it, the, the first wave of that was in the 90s or maybe even a little bit before with the, the rise of SRI, socially responsible investing, 
slash also called ethical investing. It's a specific type of investing, which means excluding some companies and industries you want to avoid. And it was pioneered by the Church of England's endowment fund um, who were trying to avoid tobacco companies and weapons companies on religious moral grounds. That was the first wave. SRI and ethical as terms are still used to this day to label certain funds. If you see those, that's what it's meant to mean, specifically exclusionary. And then in the you know early thousands and went to you know twenty ten and beyond was the rise of ESG investing, environmental, social, and governance investing. Also, sometimes referred to as sustainable investing. We'll come on to why that's a problem in in, in a second. And then you know the, the kind of investing that we do, impact investing, which is entirely distinct from those other two, um, and is about investing in companies that are screened in based on them providing a solution to a climate or a, or a social related problem. So these three types of investing in the investment industry are all quite well-defined, all quite well understood within the investment industry. But unhelpfully, a lot of the industry, um, the old industry, finance industry, investment industry, uses all these terms interchangeably from a marketing perspective. And that's causing a lot of confusion. And and up until recently, it looks like that's started to change a little bit, maybe looking ahead in the future with some of the stuff the FCA is going to come out with about what you're allowed to call yourself based on what you do. But because all these terms are jumbled together under an, an umbrella, it's allowed anybody to say that they are kind of anything with that, without really being held to account until recently, until very, very recently. Yeah, and as we've talked about before as well is, you know, some funds will have a, have a, will badge the whole entire fund as something, depending on yeah. how the, who they're marketing to. You know, ESG is probably the most famous mm. label. People have jumped on that, but they, they would they'd slightly tweak a fund and mm. rebadge it as the whole thing is now, you know, falls under this definition, which yeah. is, it's pushing the extremes of how you define this stuff. Yeah. And this is why it's obviously caught the attention of, of regulators. I think ESG is the main culprit for the yeah. greenwashing. Um, and I think that it's important to, for everybody to understand what ESG was designed to do and how it's being misused in yeah. its marketing application. So environmental social governance investing was always meant to be a risk framework for investment managers to assess whether a company's stock price was exposed to an E or S or G risk. It was it, so it was it was never meant to try and measure a company's impact. It was never trying. Uh, it was never established to try and measure um, whether a company was doing good for the world. It's rather internal looking, looking at the practices of a of a business and whether any of those practices along those three lines are a risk that would impact a company's stock price. We used to talk about ESG companies as like good corporate citizens. They have decent yeah. governance. They look at the supply chain and how they treat their employees, and they're aware of their envir- kind of environmental footprint. It's not about the product and service they sell. Yeah. It's about their internal operations and whether they're exposed to a risk which would hurt their stock price. And so what the what the investment management industry have done, and it's mainly the marketing side of the investment management industry, have taken this risk framework. And because there's an E in there, yeah. the environmental, which has become the main problem for the greenwashing thing, they've honed in on that and labeled these funds as like environmental funds or climate change funds yeah. or you know the you know sustainable funds. Yeah. But they were never ever designed to do that, which is why when you look underneath the hood and you look at the top 10 holdings, it's all tech companies, banks, even oil companies. Yeah. It's all the exact same companies you'd expect in a generic fund, but it's just labeled with a sustainable ESG climate badge. And that's the greenwashing, that's the misselling. It comes from the misapplication of the ESG risk framework. Yeah, and I think it's 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 a reaction as well, in, probably in part to, you know, there's just a general awareness in society about, uh, you know, things like the climate. 
and the investment industry doesn't want to be sat there sort of saying, well, we're not doing anything about it. Yeah. They want to say, well, look what we've done. We've incorporated yes. environmental, social governance factors into all of our investments. And, and you know, if you're into the climate, we've got a solution yeah. for you. It's called ESG yeah, yeah. and everything's got an ESG brand on, but it's almost like the sort of, it's like the investment industry's equivalent of paper straws at McDonald's. Mm. It's still McDonald's. There's a salad on the menu that nobody orders, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, and you're eating a beef burger out of a, pl- you know, you've got yeah. a plastic lid on the cup, but it's got a paper straw in it. it you know, look at a good, yeah. look how good we're being. We're using paper straws, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but look at the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of, it's, it's a nod towards a recognition that society wants people to act. Yeah. And yeah. they're saying, well, we are acting, look, it's ESG, but ESG just isn't, yeah. isn't what most people on the street would think it was if you explained yes. that there was an environmental considered fund that yeah. you were investing and in. And you've seen you've seen over the past five, maybe many five, but it's also ten years, because there's a there's a there's a there's a rise in consumers and general society wanting genuinely more sustainable options, environmentally friendly, socially responsible options, that there's been a wave of asset managers just rebadging their existing yeah. funds, but not changing anything at all in those funds. Yeah. Just saying, we now consider this, yeah. but it's all the same. Yeah. Well, we, you know, again, going back to what I was saying before, you might tilt it. So, if you're a, if you're a fund manager who's got a great fund that's you know sold like hotcakes and you've got billions of ass, billions of pounds worth of assets in it, what you want to do is not lose any assets out that fund mm. because you want to carry on charging a fee in it. Yeah. So, if you realise that ESG is the new demand from the market, we you know we only invest in stuff if they've considered ESG. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Fine, I've considered buying a Ferrari, but I've still not got one. You know, so so the the but the thing is, is that what they'll do is they'll say, well, okay, we we've got the same old fund, the same old methodology that we have. We also then put it through an ESG lens, and we might cut out the bottom one percent, mm. you know, of our five hundred holdings in that fund. Yeah. Well, you know, our hundred holdings in that fund, you've still essentially got the same fund. Yeah, exactly the same fund. What, what what I think a lot of people don't understand is, and they wouldn't who don't who haven't worked in the industry is. A lot of these big asset management firms who have these funds that are labelled as X, Y, and Z, the ESG or sustainable teams sit separately yeah. to the investment teams and they're entirely independent. And I've seen this kind of firsthand. The ESG team might want to do the right thing, but they can't force the investment manager who is running the fund within the organisation to change anything. Yeah. So that investment manager on his tick list can go, I've considered this and decided I'm going to do what I was doing anyway. I was going to invest in the same companies as before because yeah. I think they're the ones that are going to return exactly. the highest. So my, 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 my responsibility is return. I've considered what you're saying. Yeah. I'm not going to do anything about it. And that the, the, oftentimes in these organisations, the ESG team is fighting against the investment investment managers, and nothing changes. And the ESG team is probably where you end up if you do genuinely care, yeah. because you think, well, that's the bit, that's the area within my profession that I can I can try and make some sort of difference. Yeah. From. Are there any uh, funds that spring to mind, Matthew, when you're when you're thinking about uh, these ESG shortcomings? Finally, I get to use the phrase. Here's one I've prepared earlier. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so what I thought I'd do is I'd I'd, I'd go on one of the biggest. Um, ETF provider uh, in the world website and look at their biggest ESG fund and let's have a little poke around in that. So I'm looking at the iShares ESG aware. So they're using this phrase. They're aware, they're aware of it. <laughs> they know if, it exists somewhere. And put it in the title of the fund. The ESG aware MSCI, which is the the index provider name. USA, which is the geography it covers. ETF, which is the type of fund. So um, this is a fund that is an ESG-focused or ESG-aware fund focused on investing in the USA only, um, run by iShares. It's got twenty, just shy of $20 billion um, invested in it. Um, you know, a very popular fund. It's obviously, it's obviously 
held widely. Um, and it's got ESG in the title of it. So you would think that you're, you know, you might be, you might, if you've uh, misunderstood ESG, yeah. think that you're saving the world. So let's have a look at the top 10 holdings of this fund and see what we've got in it. In one. <laughs> so top 10 holdings, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon are the top three. Jeffrey. Now, these are just some of the largest the largest companies yeah. in the US, listen, the US stock exchange. We're not saying they're inherently evil. We're not saying they're inherently bad, but they're far from an impact company. Yeah. Um, you know, they're just, again, what you'd say is probably good, good corporate citizens. Yeah. Uh, below that, you've got Tesla, you've got Alphabet, which is the parent company of Google. You've got United Health, JP Morgan. You've got our old friends, ExxonMobil, one, two, hey, we three, know four, really five, care six, about seven, these issues. eight, in number nine. And then you've got NVIDIA, the chip company. You know, so if you look at the top 10, if, you, if, if I said to you, here's, some ten, here's 10 companies I'm investing in. One of them's ExxonMobil. The others are the biggest tech companies in the US. You know, Tesla is always a controversial one, whether you say it's, a, whether yeah. it's an impact or not. Um, you know, there's pros and cons on, on that. Um, and then you've got a chip maker, a health company. You would say that, okay, You've got exposure to large companies in the US, probably is the best. Just you could like say. the biggest US companies, isn't it? Really, it doesn't look any, any different to the normal S and P five hundred. And then if you go further on, you've got you know Pepsi, Coca Cola, Chevron, Bank of America, Pfizer. You know you've got you've got Walt Disney. None of these Conoco Phillips is a big big um, big energy company, mining company. Uh, so you know you look at this and you're not thinking this is a this is a I'm investing in companies here that are you know saving the world or changing the world in, you know in any sort of real positive yeah. impact. It's just a generic investment fund. Yeah. It's called ESG. So how are they justifying that label on the fund? Tom? Mm. Well, I mean, they are. If you look at the actual creation of that fund, this is actually really an SRI ethical. ETF, because if you look at the details of that fund, they're, they're, they're seeking to exclude certain areas of, of investment, yeah. cluster, munition, cluster munitions, uh, certain other industries. Um, uh, oil sands. Oil sands, uh, thermal, thermal coal. coal yeah. So they're, they're the worst of the worst industries that more or less everybody now avoids. They're looking to avoid those at a revenue threshold. 5%. So they're fine with 5% of their company's revenue coming from thermal coal. Yeah. That's the cutoff point. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so really, it's not cutting anybody out yeah. from a major perspective from the S and P five hundred really, apart from maybe some weapons companies and uh, 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 and some of the worst worst offenders on coal. So that is a business as usual um, product, which should be labelled SRI or ethical, but it's labelled ESG, and it probably has some ESG scoring in the background that goes into some of the methodology, or whatever, which we which is very generic and and can easily be fudged. And so that is a typical. ESG, ethical, SRI kind of solution. Yeah. Um, and that is what you find most of the time when you see an, an ETF or a fund that has an ESG sustainable label. Those are probably found, those 10 holdings, top 20 holdings in nine out of 10 of the funds that label themselves sustainable ESG or SRI. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing you've you got to say here is that they don't, other than the, the revenue thresholds on things like thermal coal that you just mentioned, they don't explicitly exclude any big mm. industries. So they don't say... Fossil fuel producers yeah. are out. They all they they actually say we want to replicate the the US market as defined by MSCI, the index provider. We want yeah. to replicate the US market in terms of sectors, hmm. but we want to just put these slight conditions on. Yeah. So that's how you end up with, you know, Exxon being in the top ten because it's the it's one of the biggest oil co- companies, if not the biggest. It's and it's and it's 
it's you've got to include it because they're not they're not excluding that sector yeah. Yeah. explicitly in this fund. I think the other interesting thing is is if you're investing in this and you thought it was materially different to just investing in the normal stock market, you would expect it to perform slightly differently. Mm. But this is correlated one for one with the S&P 500. Yeah, yeah. Sure. So put that in other language. It moves around in exactly the same way yeah. as the S&P 500. The S&P 500 is, is the 500 biggest listed companies yeah. in, the, in the US. Yeah. So this is just effectively the same on a returns basis and as on a on a on a sort of volatility and market movements basis as just investing in the S&P 500. Yeah. Here's the other little kick for you, though. If you were investing in a standard S&P 500 tracker, it would be probably about a third of the cost of this fund. Yes. So a sceptical person might say, and I wouldn't say it because I don't want uh, iShares lawyers to have enemy, but a sceptical person might say, well, this is just a way of charging three times as much by badging it as ESG and, you know, potentially giving exactly the same fund as you would charge a third of the price for ordinarily. Yeah, but you see that that's rife across the, the industry. Whenever whenever a fund is labelled any of these things, and it goes for impact as well for the people that are not genuine about that, and even some of the people that are, it's a way for the existing industry to continue doing what they're doing, but charge more fees for, for that. Um, and that's a great illustration of that practice. Yeah. So I think important things to remember, SRI ethical is about excluding things on moral grounds like the church did. Um, and ESG is a risk framework using the industry. They are not trying to assess whether a company is a positive impact on society, the environment in any way. But are there any positives to ESG? Um, is there is there any room for usage of it? I think there definitely is, but it's important to understand what it is first and the positives that, that, that there can be. So th- there is data to back up that an ESG framework applied properly can help reduce risk of investments. Yeah. Because generally speaking, and this is a big generalization from the data, you're investing in companies that are generally well run. Yeah. They've got good governance. They consider the risk of their business more broadly. Um, and because it can help businesses, it can give businesses a framework to look at their internal practices and help them take steps to improve that. That, in theory, is a risk reduction argument in terms of how volatile the stocks are and how volatile those companies can be in certain environments. So that is that is an area where it's definitely a positive. And then if you look at the, the engagement side of ESG, that is another, another positive area. It can give asset managers, investors, a framework of which to engage with companies they're invested in on key issues at the board level, at AGM, on climate-related issues that pose risks to the company, supply chain risks, governance risks. So those those three lenses um, give people um, the tools to then go and engage with companies at board level on those key votes. So I think those are some of the positives of how it can be used in a, in a positive way in the industry. But I think the things you're talking about there are, are relatively technical investment positive, you know, yeah. technical ways to analyse co- company. But what's happened with ESG is it's become a consumer badge. Exactly, a you marketing st- point. Yeah, yeah. You stick a consumer badge of yeah. ESG on, yeah. and people think it's something else. It's actually it has its uses, but it's, you know it's like anything. You have got to understand what the, what they what they are. It has rather. usage. I, th- I yeah. think it's way more minor than people think. Yeah, and I think it is it is and shouldn't be no more than a tick box in a way of understanding an investment to make. Look, we still in, in the investments that we're constructing that we look at. We do still consider some ESG factors. Yeah. It's a minor, minor component of what we do, and it's no by, by no means the driving factor. And impact, what we do, investing in companies that are clearly providing positive solutions for the world's biggest problems, can be used alongside ESG and the other frameworks, but it's just not the driving decision-making factor that goes into it. So they, they can work together, 
but it's just, it's not as anywhere near as important as the existing asset management industry would let you believe based on what they market and what they say. I think impact as well, obviously I'm going to advocate for impact, but impact's just a shortcut way of cutting out all the bullshit, basically. Because if you think about it, you know, you get these ESG conversations, oh, well, you know, we're aware of it, we're measuring it, we're looking at it, we're improving it, blah, blah, blah. Whereas impact just cuts all that out and just says, right, well, which are the companies with an actual positive business model? Yeah. And let's let's invest in them. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas whereas ESG just I think allows a lot of scope for just sort of Wishy-washy. delay and defer and and just sort of ignore and just carry on as usual. The other really important factor in all this for the everyday investor, institutional investor as well as retail investor, is there is absolutely no returns argument to SRI ethical investing or ESG investing. There is no returns argument whatsoever. There's no data to back that up. And it's also not starting from a point of trying to earn superior financial returns. SRI is just excluding stuff on moral grounds. And ESG is a risk framework. You could argue it's a risk reduction framework, not a return enhancement framework. Whereas impact investment, there is a strong long-term returns argument because you're investing in these companies of the future. We've talked about this before that are uh, creating solutions for these huge structural shifts in society and companies that do it well and use technology to scale those solutions offer the chance for outsized returns. So the impact investments that are constructed that way, the data does show there's a chance for outsized financial returns, whereas the others do not. So when you hear this argument given to us over and over again over the years, like, oh, but ethical investments, that you know they, they don't earn returns that are as good. Well, ethical might not and ESG might not, but impact does. that's the overall data argument that that, that's what it shows so I think that's a really important thing to remember when you're looking at labelling of funds and looking uh, beneath the hood if you're looking at something that that is offering the chance for good um, outsized returns over the long term ESG and SRI will not offer you that they're not designed to do that yeah yeah and I think you know we go back to what we said before which is you have to just you have to just not take these labels as anything uh, you know any sort of stamp of approval or authority on on a, on yeah. a fund? You have to you have to ignore the terms. You have to you have to ignore all that jargon and, and actually look under the hood and see what the holdings are. Like we've just done. I mean, it yeah. took us took us two minutes yeah. to go on the website and have a look and see what was in there, um, and just sort of see the headline information of how that that fund was put together. Yeah. I mean, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, noise, regulatory pressure uh, from. You know, from advertising standards agency FCA, SEC in the US, all these things are going to come to, come to head. Yeah. I think the trouble is, is you know, these things tend to be slow. They tend to be consultative. So in the meantime, you've got to just sort yeah. of look after yourself. I mean, I said to you before, Tom, I used to think that greenwashing wasn't really an issue because I just thought that mm. you know, as long as as long as there was some move in the in a positive direction even if there was money and attention being wasted on things that weren't genuine, it would raise the profile of things that were genuine. Yeah. I actually think I'm actually shocked by the extent that companies will go to to try and market and advertise and greenwash their way yeah. to look, to appear to be doing something. It's almost like the certain companies that will put more effort <laughs> yeah. into marketing and deflecting and, and you know, sort of greenwashing themselves than they will to actually yeah. just sorting out the problems yeah. or changing the changing the business model. I mean, I think that's why that's why I think now is we ha- you know there has to be more of a there has to be more consumer scrutiny and there has to be support for regulators getting tougher on yeah. this stuff as well. Yeah, they're getting they're getting better and better and better and more creative at greenwashing. I think the existing industry that's what's changed in, in you know our ten years of exposure to this um, because they see it as a way of growing assets, etc. But I think. 
they can't hide behind the holdings that's in these funds. Yeah. So ignore the the, the 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 glossy brochures, ignore all the kind of buzzwords. Look at the holdings. And the other thing is look at who the company is constructing the funds. Yeah. You know, what else are they doing? Do they really get, do they really care about this? Are they doing it in a genuine way? And if you think about who is building the funds and look at the holdings, that's the shortcut for understanding as an everyday investor, you know, whether this fund that you're looking at is genuine or not. Yeah. Let's wrap it up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Impact investing from circa 5,000. Thank you for listening to Impact Investing, a podcast brought to you by Circa 5000. Remember, when investing, your capital is at risk, and this podcast is not financial advice. If you like what you hear, then please remember to like, subscribe, and share the podcast.